Sewer Ninjas is dedicated to solving your home sewer issues with the latest no-dig sewer repair technology to minimize cost and disruption. They can repair your sewer lateral line with minimal intrusion, saving you thousands. When you need help, turn to the drain and sewer experts for Milwaukee and the surrounding communities. Give Sewer Ninjas a call, 414-250-8605. Once again, that's 414-250-8605. Find out more at SewerNinjas.com. All right, coming up on this edition of the 414 Sports Podcast, presented by Sewer Ninjas, it's Packer Vikings Week. The Badgers get ready to take on the number three ranked team in the country in the Ohio State Buckeyes. The Bucks kick off their regular season against the 76ers, and we've got some Brewer news. Is Craig Council on the move? We'll talk about that and more all coming up on the 414 Sports Podcast, presented by Sewer Ninjas. Let's go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. All right, welcome in. This is the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Sewer Ninjas. I'm Don Wachillis. Thank you so much for logging in and joining us wherever you get your podcasts. Great to have you on board. Go ahead, as always, and hit that like and subscribe button as we get ready to get into this episode. It is Packer Viking Week, and that's where we will begin today. The Vikings come into Lambeau 3-4, and four, the Packers 2-4, and four. It'll be good for the Packers to be at home after two road games. The problem, however, is that you're facing now a Vikings team that is ascending. A Vikings team that started the year horrendously but has won a couple, beating the 49ers last week, a team that many still think will represent the NFC in the Super Bowl this upcoming year. But a 49er team over the last two weeks that struggled The Vikings took advantage of that and got the win. The Packers, on the other hand, have played two dumpster fire-like teams in the Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos, two teams that are mightily struggling and yet got wins against our beloved Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love has looked much like, I think if we were honest, what Jordan Love would look like now playing an entire season at the helm for Green Bay taking over for Aaron Rodgers. Can we stop, however, with the I'm done with Jordan Love talk? We've played six games. Most analysts will tell you that a quarterback needs a full season. That's 17 games in order to ascertain where they're at. And yet, at this point, we're sitting with six games and a couple of starts from previous years. So let's give Jordan Love eight games. He is nowhere close to have played a complete season. Let's give the young man some time. I have no idea whether it's going to work out. 
But given the injuries that are plaguing this Packer team, giving the question marks on the defensive side of the ball from a schematical standpoint, let's just let Jordan Love be Jordan Love this year and let's see what happens. I, I just think it's completely unfair at this point to go ahead and write him off. There are so many other areas on this team that have question marks over it to singly put Jordan Love at the center and blame him. I, I just I don't think it's fair. So there's a lot of things that need to be corrected. We talked about it prior that here was a Packer team that came off a bye that had an extra day to prepare for the Raiders and didn't look like it. Then they had a week off to prepare for the Denver Broncos and didn't look like it. So again, this isn't all about Jordan Love. This is a team that right now is in a bit of disarray. It's funny to think that 11 of the last 12 NFC titles have either been the Green Bay Packers or the Minnesota Vikings, and right now going into this game on Sunday, you've got two teams sitting below 500. So again, let's hope that the Vikings come into Lambeau Field and what has been a problem all season long, which is securing the football and holding on to the football, let's hope that the dropsies, the fumblies, I don't know, I'm making up my own terminology right now, let's hope that rears its ugly head because the Packers could use some turnovers, the Packers could use some opportunities other than just their normal offensive sets, I guess what I'm saying is if the defense can get turnovers and get Jordan Love some more opportunities, maybe that's exactly what the Packers need to get a win, and they do need a win. Not because I think they're Super Bowl contenders, not even because I think they're NFC North contenders. I hate to say that, but that's just kind of how this season is. Right now, Detroit looks to be the cream of the crop in the NFC North, but you also don't want to see the Packers plummet to the level that are the Chicago Bears right now. So this is a big game for Green Bay. Let's see how it plays out. We'll obviously talk about it afterwards, but again, Packers, Vikings, Sunday, and let's hope Lambeau is not U.S. Bank Stadium East in the way that it was Ford Field West for the Detroit Lions. Let's make sure that place is full of green and gold and supporting our team. On the other side of a quick timeout, the Badgers have their work cut out for them as they'll take on the number three team in the country, the Ohio State Buckeyes. We'll get to that and a little Jim Harbaugh news with the University of Michigan. We'll cover that after a quick timeout. All right, let's talk some college football as the Ohio State Buckeyes, the number three ranked team in the country who still remains undefeated after an impressive win against Penn State at home, come into Camp Randall for a 6.30 kick here on Saturday. And much like we were saying in the last segment with Green Bay, 
it's a tall task at hand, to say the least, for the Wisconsin Badgers. A great win last week against the Fighting Illini, a win in which they scored 18 points in the fourth quarter, showed resiliency, did some things that we didn't see for the first three quarters into the fourth, and came away with the win. You can't wait that long against Ohio State. Penn State is one of the better teams in the country. It just so happens that they are in the same division with Michigan and Ohio State, and they're having a heck of a time trying to unseed those two teams from the top two spots of the Big Ten East. But Penn State, make no doubt, is a good team. Penn State could not convert on third or fourth down until the final two minutes of the game, which gives you an idea of what that defense for the Ohio State Buckeyes can do. And what the Badgers have under center is a redshirt freshman who looked, quite frankly, pretty good against the Fighting Illini. Brayden Locke showed some moxie, as my father would say. He had great touch and great zip on the ball. There's two different elements, right, to a quarterback. When you need to put it in a spot that you're throwing that fastball, Brayden Locke showed he had that. And there were times last week when he was dropping it, as people like to call it, into the bucket on his receivers. He looked good. The receiving core last week dropped way too many. The receiving core dropped way too many that Braden Locke put in their hands, and they didn't come up with it. You can't afford anything like that against Ohio State. Braylon Allen rushes for 145 yards. I'd like to believe Braylon Allen could rush for over 100 against Ohio State if Braylon Allen can rush for over 100 yards. That gives the Badgers a chance. The Badgers will have a chance if they can maintain possession of the football and run clock. Not like Penn State when you can't convert convert on third or fourth down until the final two minutes of the game. They're going to have to convert. And then if they convert a couple of times, even if they don't get a field goal or a touchdown, at least pin Ohio State back on their heels, kind of like what Iowa did to us. This is the type of game the Badgers are really going to have to make in terms of viewing ugly if they're going to have a chance. And they can't wait till the second half in order to kind of come around and wake up like they did against the Illini, like they've done against other teams this season where finally in the second half things click. Ohio State will put them away. Ohio State will put them away. I don't even want to say what the score was. If you're not a Badger fan, I'll let you look it up on Google because it was embarrassing last year. Ohio State just simply ran all over us in the horseshoe down in Columbus. Now at least we get Ohio State at home. The other thing at hand is that you're facing now an offense in Ohio State that's starting to get its stride. Kyle McCord at quarterback for Ohio State has not been the quarterback to this point that Ohio State is used to. C.J. Stroud and some of the others who played exceptionally well over the past few seasons were the difference makers, right, for Ohio State. Ohio State still has Marvin Harrison Jr. I said last night on the college sports show on 97.3 The Game, hosted by myself, the professor Dan Underberg, and the Polish pipe bomb Jeff Orlowski, shameless plug, that they're going to have to figure out a way to bracket Marvin Harrison Jr., 
Like, I need the Buckeyes to win without Marvin Harrison Jr. If you can kind of shut him down and force them to win in a different fashion, once again, at least in my perspective, it gives the Badgers a shot. Whatever the Badgers do, please don't wait till the second half before you decide that you're ready to play football again. And that's kind of been a bit of the M.O. Now, we're also talking about a team that, in the Badgers, that only has two losses. And the professor, Dan Underberg, last night brought it up on the show. It's like it, it's mind-scratching, numbing, scratch your head. You know what I'm getting at, that we've got a Badger team that really only has two losses, and yet we keep referring to them like this is a team that has really laid an egg this year, and they haven't. They've won their share of games. The problem is the ones that they have lost, like Iowa, like Washington State, they've had chances to win, but they played bad football. And I'll say this again. I understand the process, and I understand that there is a transition going on in Madison, and that mistakes are going to be made. I'm okay with that. I understand that. This is going to take a while for Luke Fickle and his staff to get in place what they envision Wisconsin football to be like. But also what we saw against Washington State and against Iowa, in some cases, more in more cases against Iowa and maybe not as much as against Washington State, we saw times in which the Badgers just played bad football. And to me, bad football doesn't necessarily equate to that transition, growing, rebuilding process. So I'm hoping that tomorrow the Badgers don't play bad football that they don't make those mistakes where you get the offsides call the motion call which all of a sudden instead of first and 10 now it's first and 15 a holding call that makes it second and 20 that keeps putting you behind the sticks because your challenge in front of you is going to be great enough where you providing assistance in this case to the Ohio State Buckeyes is not going to do you any good. Ohio State's won 35 straight games against unranked teams. As that number starts to grow, sometimes you get ripe for the picking. And that's the fan in me. You can always hope. You can always keep your fingers crossed. We'll wait and see what happens coming up on Saturday. Before we roll out of this college football segment, have you seen what's going on over in the state of Michigan? And not even Michigan State. That's a dumpster fire occurring over there but at the University of Michigan there are allegations of what we'll call cheating where a staff member has been accused of buying tickets and putting personnel in seats to film the uh, opponent in advance so in other words scouting them which is illegal you know everybody exchange video but to put somebody in the stands facing the opponent's sideline, their upcoming opponent's sideline, and sitting there with their phones filming to in, in order to kind of get a handle on what their signals are. I'm telling you this, though won't necessarily affect the Michigan Wolverines this season, this is going to be that kick in the pants to Jim Harbaugh that pushes him out the door because I know he does not want to have to deal with the NCAA again after serving a three-game suspension this season. He'll, he'll exit stage left, and there will be an NFL team next year, in my mind, that will take Jim Harbaugh. Because two things, and I said this again on our show, is that one, 
He said he had no idea this was taking place. And if he did know, he's lied to the NCAA. There comes your infraction. Or B, the NCAA will say, how, how would you not know this is taking place and you don't have any sort of institutional control over your team, over your program, which is another NCAA violation? The NCAA has got Jim Harbaugh by the you-know-what. And I think you're going to see Harbaugh after this season because this team has the potential to win a national championship after this season exit stage left. We saw Pete Carroll do it at USC, and USC has yet to bounce back. USC is a whole nother podcast in the making what's happening there on the West Coast. Michigan could be next. Michigan could be next. Michigan could have had these these years, these last few years of riding high and playing well under Coach, Coach Harbaugh, excuse me, and I think that is about to end as this scandal, this alleged scandal, this alleged whatever you want to call it, is going to gain more and more traction, so it'll be something to keep an eye on. All right, before we get out of here today, there's some Brewer news to talk about as manager Craig Council is contemplating his future. We'll talk about what's happening with the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers after this word from Sewer Ninjas. Sewer Ninjas is dedicated to solving your home sewer issues with the latest no-dig sewer repair technology to minimize cost and disruption. They can repair your sewer lateral line with minimal intrusion, saving you thousands. When you need help, turn to the drain and sewer experts for Milwaukee and the surrounding communities. Give Sewer Ninjas a call, 414-250-8605. Once again, that's 414-250-8605. Find out more at SewerNinjas.com. All right, real quick before we get into the Bucks home opener and then wrap up this edition of the 414 Sports Podcast, let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers and their current manager, Craig Council, Craig Council, who has been with the team for over eight years, has done really a magnificent job with the players that he's been given in Major League Baseball's smallest market. So now with his contract up, even though the Brewers have tried to um, extend Craig Council for a couple of years, Council said that he did not want to talk about his contract situation until the end of the season. He's talked about potentially hanging it up for a year or two and spending more time at home. And then we find out that the New York Mets were granted permission to talk to counsel. There will be other teams that will want to talk to Craig Council if he decides that, one, he doesn't want to manage anymore here in Milwaukee, and, two, that he wants to manage next season. So it'll be interesting to hear the various storylines that come out of New York as he talks to David Stearns, the former general manager of the Milwaukee Brewers, who's now the GM with the Mets, as to whether or not, A, again, he'll manage, but B, if he does want to manage, are the Brewers in the running for him to remain as the boss, so to speak? In the interim, will he decide to take and listen to offers from the Cleveland Indians, the Houston Astros, the San Diego Padres, just to name three. And none of those three have necessarily said they were going to make offers to Craig Council. But you can bet if he's going to 
in essence, declare himself a free agent as far as managers go, those teams that have openings are going to immediately contact Craig Council's agent and find out if there is any interest. Listen, Council has a way about him that I think necessarily many people, I, I can't say it rubs them the wrong way. I think what they want to see out of Council is, I guess, more emotion. Like we want to see, the, you know, the high school coaches who are kicking medicine uh, chess and, and ranting and raving and screaming and yelling, but that's not Craig Council. And you can disagree with how he may call a game at times. You can necessarily hope that he may show more emotion than what he does at certain points, but you can't get over the fact that his one loss record over the last eight years with the Milwaukee Brewers, with the fact that this team has gone to the playoffs at a much more consistent level than at any point in this team's history. Listen, we're still living on 1982. Let's face it, we still are. We have yet to make it to the World Series since 1982. And though we get disappointed, like this year, when the Diamondbacks ousted us at home, yes, it is disappointing, but yet we were still in the postseason. And I know we don't want to sit back and say, well, you know, if the postseason is only is your is your mark of excellence and that's all you're trying to do, that's setting the bar too low. Listen, there are a lot of teams, there are a lot of cities out there that were wishing, hello St. Louis, that their team was in the playoffs. And the Brewers have been there consistently. And if you take out last year, think of how many years in a row, if we were to eliminate last year, how many years in a row Craig Council, his staff, and that team has given Milwaukee postseason baseball. Yes, we need to get to a World Series. Yes, we would love to win one, right? We would love to win one. It's been, what, 57, 58 since the last time a team in this city won a World Series? But we have to respect the fact that Craig Council has gotten this team to win again in the smallest market in Major League Baseball. So we'll just wait and see. I mean, that's all we can do. That's all we can do is wait and see and hope that if Council decides to continue managing, that it's with the Brewers. If he decides, listen, I need to take a year off. I'm, I'm, I'm fried. I'm done. I need to spend some time at home watch my kids do what they do, that whole scenario, go for it. But we just have to be patient, and we'll wait and see what happens with Craig Council as next week comes into fruition because, if I'm not mistaken, his contract is up on Halloween on Tuesday, so I'm sure by either Tuesday or Wednesday we'll have an idea what the future holds not only for Craig Council but also for the Milwaukee Brewers. All right, let's wrap up this episode talking about the home opener for the Milwaukee Bucks. The NBA championship Milwaukee Bucks season is underway, and we'll get to that in just a moment.
here we go to wrap things up on this edition of the 414 Sports Podcast, ending on a positive note as the road to the NBA championship has begun. The Bucks now still have an opportunity to go 82-0. You can't go undefeated if you don't win game one, and that's exactly what they did last night, beating the Philadelphia 76ers 118-117. Damian Lillard goes for 39 in his debut in a Bucks uniform. Uh, the Bucks needing to uh, get all of those points from Dame after blowing a 19-point lead. But to see already what can happen between he and Giannis, that inside-outside, the pick-and-roll, you name it. Giannis finishes with 23 and 13 rebounds. Um it's something special. On Twitter, I saw Bart Winkler had put a picture up side-by-side uh, side of Kareem and Oscar Robertson together and then Dame and Giannis together, and I went, that was just symbiotic. It was perfect um, the, way, the way you kind of hope that this season will play out. You saw a lot of players uh, getting some time in the game yesterday evening. Um, Chris Middleton not playing the second half and you know you start to see some people thinking well we should have kept Drew and traded Chris and all of that nonsense that uh, can take place within social media but you know let's remember one we don't know what the negotiations were behind the scenes and two it's game one the fact now you have somebody like Damian Lillard that can give you that outside scoring threat, much like Chris Middleton when he's hot, but we also know Chris Middleton has been plagued by injuries, and so has Damian Lillard. So expect at times Chris Middleton to be playing four quarters and Dame to be resting the third and fourth quarter or to see Dame and Chris out there and Giannis being able to take a half off. I The, the depth of this Bucks team is unlike I think we've seen in quite some time. Mix in Jay Crowder. You can go right down the roster, and it provides you just so much hope as this season now gets underway of what could be when we get into March, April, May, and June as we get to the tail end of the regular season and head towards the playoffs. Um, one little nugget of information is that Damian Lillard now in his debut in a Bucks uniform set the record is that is that the best way to say it previously it was Terry Cummings in his first game as a Milwaukee Bucks scoring 34 back in 1984 tonight or last night let's rephrase that last night Damian scoring 39 now holds that accolade with the Milwaukee Bucks in his debut. So it's a great start to the year. There's a lot of things that obviously need to be worked through as rotations and, and so forth. But to get the kind of start that you did against, in essence, your arch rival in the Philadelphia 76ers, congrats to the Milwaukee Bucks. And let's see. Let's see what happens. I'm excited to see how this NBA season will play out. And it was a great way to start the weekend because with the Badgers playing the Buckeyes and the Packers playing the Vikings, we might need to hang our hat on the Bucks for a while to keep our sanity as 414 sports fans. And with that, we'll call it a day. 
Thank you so much for logging in and listening and joining us. Have a great weekend. Enjoy that Badger game. Enjoy that Packer game. And we'll talk about both the next time we get together. I'm Don Wachillis. Take care.